Would you open God's precious holy word to John chapter 6? To me, Christ's sermon on the bread of life is, to me, maybe his greatest teaching, sermon-wise, because he takes the issue of salvation, God Almighty, standing there in that place, and he takes the issue of salvation. He has performed his greatest miracles. He is coming to the end of his Galilean ministry after a little more than a year. He probably traveled through every village and town and city in Galilee. The smallest villages were about 40 or so people. The largest towns and cities were from 10 to 20,000 people. More than 400,000 people packed into that little area. And Christ would have performed miracles everywhere and would have taught the great teaching. God Almighty taught the great teaching of salvation. And this teaching is to tear us down in the sense that we think too much of ourselves that we could save ourselves and then build us back up in who he is. So this great teaching, the bread of life, is brought then to the people by God himself, telling them that there is no work from within themselves that can save them. And they are not to admire his works so as to think that his works that he performed would save them. It is his words and our faith in those words. Remember, we're, we're this, we're, God willing, we're going to finish here this chapter six, and it stands on everything that we've seen before it. I'm the bread of life. I've come down out of heaven. Bread of life. You have to partake of me. My body, my flesh, my blood. You have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. You have no hope. You have no essential sustenance. You have no spiritual life unless you feed on me. There is no other way. And that's where we pick it up. Beginning in verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples... Having heard, said, this word is difficult, who is enabled to hear it? Think about this now. It's skleros, it's difficult, it's hard, it's unyielding. This word is difficult. Who is Enabled. Now, the form of the word there is, uh, it's dunat, 
Tete. And it means that the person is not able, he has to be enabled to hear this difficult word. That's what Jesus has been saying to them. I've come to do my father's will. All that he gives me will come to me. And so he's continuing that. The power of God, the absolute sovereignty of God in our salvation, how can we save ourselves? We cannot. God must save us and only in Jesus Christ. However, Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Scandalizic. It's the same word as stumbling block. Is this a stumbling block to you? That I'm going to have to give my life, I've come from heaven, and I'm going to have to give my life, and I'm going to have to shed my blood so that you can live. The cross was a stumbling block, still is. I mean, we have to throw out everything of who we are. Just forget self and collapse absolutely and helplessly in the presence of a sovereign God who has given his only son. And here is his only son saying, does this offend you that you cannot save yourself? Does this offend you that you can't even believe it unless you are enabled to believe it? Does this, it still offends people. People are offended by that. They're offended by the cross. They're offended by the, by the fact that God must sovereignly and divinely call you to himself. They think they have to add something to it. They have to put themselves in there somewhere. Christ says, does this offend you? Then what if you should see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? Well, a few of those will, but not all of them. Now, we're talking about thousands of people here. Many of them were fed miraculously. Others have joined expecting another meal, expecting. See, it's all about me. It's, it's me, me. Personal benefits. Oh, that I could just be a witness to the, to the miracles and the supernatural power. It's not the works that he performed. It is the words that he brought to us upon which we rest our faith. The credentials, the miracles were his credentials. I'm from heaven. No one can still a storm, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. No one can take a boy's lunch and feed thousands and thousands of people, not once but twice in the scriptures. Nobody else can do that. Only God. The meal might physically sustain you for a bit, for a while, but you'll die if that's all you depend on or the physical benefits. You must have the spiritual, the eternal benefits that only Christ can bring to us. And he tells us in his word, trust me, let me take your sin 
upon myself and carry it to the cross. And in the presence of the Father, he will consider that the sins of all of his own, whom he has called, whom he will ever call, those sins will be taken upon the person of the Christ of God at the cross. And the father would look at the son at that time, Isaiah 53, he would say, that thing on that cross is sin. He would turn his back. Father, why have you forsaken me? Because that's what Christ came to do. To remedy my problem, to redeem me. God called me because the Father gave me to the Son. Christ asks the crowd, does this offend you? That there's only one way for you to be saved? Does this offend you? That you're going to have to forsake yourself, deny yourself, and come to me? Does this cause you to stumble? Then you will die in your pride and in your arrogance. You will die in your self-centeredness, in your twisted belief that you can do what is necessary to save yourself. Does this offend you? What if you should see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? Now, here's a little hint Jesus gives to the 12. The rest of them are going to forsake him. We'll see that in just a second. I understand. I've observed it. If you teach the Bible just as it is, the Word of God, the Word of God, you just take it like it is, exactly like it is. Don't add your opinion to it. Don't add all kinds of little illustrations or, or gut-wrenching stories or just take it like it is. Here it is. Here's what he says. This word is difficult, they said. Who is unable to believe it? We go back up a few scriptures, a few verses. Those whom the Father draws, that's who. And some people find that difficult. You see, to believe in the absolute sovereignty of God, that we are saved by grace and by nothing else, means that we just have to forget who we are. We are nothing but old sinners. All of us, even those whom would be considered the best in society, we're still, we have, we have sin. It may be secret sin. It may be thought sin. It, we have sin because we're of a fallen race and we cannot save ourselves. Especially as a younger man. I don't know if I ought to confess this or not. I had, I had, she's cleared her throat. Let me come, let me come whisper and see if you think it's big. <laughs> Whenever Pat clears her throat, I got to think again before I take the next step. <clears throat> when I was a younger man, 
I could become enraged at things. I had a bad temper. Is it okay to say that? Okay. I'm too late. I can't take it back. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, I, I spent a lot of time four nights a week, three hours on Sunday afternoons. Pat endured it into the wee hours of the morning. Fighting. People from all over the place. I, I took tours. I was invited. I took tours. And I would think of the things that aggravated me the most, and I would kick the tar out of people. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just saying it's the truth. One of them's dead now. I, I, didn't, I didn't kill him. I, I don't think I killed him. How many of his bones did I break? About four of his, over a period of time, not all at once. <laughs> oh dear, oh God, help me. I gotta go back here and pray. Oh, he was a dear friend of mine. I don't care, he still broke, he still wanted to fight me, so. Well, I'm gonna crawl out of this. I have a way, I had a, I had a plan and I, somehow I've got to thinking of my good old buddy that's dead and I wish I could fight him one more time. <laughs> I loved him like a brother. He loved me like a brother. You see, you live two lives there for a while. I'm still kind of coming out of it, I guess, but you had, this, you had this karate life and then you had this preacher life, right? That's bad. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I'm easier going, right? I've, tell me I've grown in the Lord. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Whew. That's not the first thing that comes to my mind anymore. Let's me and you go to the mat. How about it? No, to pray, to think, and to rejoice. But who can stop a thought? Don't ever run a stop sign when it's my turn to go. You don't want to know my first thought. And I cry out, really, I say, oh God, deliver me from this body of death. That's wrong. Now, Think about it. He took all of that and still stuff that I hadn't done yet. <laughs> he took it to himself because God gave me to the son. The father gave me to the son and the son came to redeem his own. And it was all placed on him and I have been covered in his righteousness and I don't know why. You will never understand grace if you try to figure it out. The only difference is the will and purpose of God. That's all you can say. And you glory in the cross, but you can never boast in yourself. Never. Because we all know how sinful we are. To think of all of the things that we've done. And sometimes when you get older, those things way heavy on you and you just plead with God, oh God, 
What a fool I was. He came to save me, right? There are a lot of people who think they can save themselves. They're not, they're blind. They're dead spiritually. They don't, they, they don't, they don't think about sin and, and, and the sins they've committed. They just think about how good they are compared to other people, whatever. So these people are the ones Christ is speaking to. And he says, does this offend you? Does it offend you that you're really at the root of who you are or a sinner? You have no hope within yourself. Nothing from within you can save you. There is no work within you. There is no good thing in you. You are lost and undone and you need a savior. And here I am. My flesh and my blood. And you must feast on me. You must feed on my flesh and drink my blood. These who forsook him, and I've seen it through the years, just teach the Bible the way that it is. People get offended. The preacher ain't doing what I think he ought to do, you know. He's, I don't want to hear that stuff. Man, that offends me. It's because you haven't been able to hear it. You, you, God enables us to hear these things. I could, to hear it, thus to receive it. Jesus knows who we are. Always knows who we are. Okay, then what if you should see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Do you want to see the show of all shows? He was lifted up. He, he, I, that doesn't mean like a coach getting lifted up on the shoulders of players. That means, and it doesn't just mean that he was defying gravity. What he had prayed for in John 17 begins to happen. And they begin to see him in his glory. They'd never seen it before. We beheld his glory that's what John says in chapter one. Even the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. What if you could see me ascend to where I was before? Just a handful of them will do it. Most of them won't, won't be there when it happens. They left him. This is my fifth church. I was sitting there thinking, how many people have joined the churches? I quit counting when I left a particular church. I used to keep a, my daddy gave me a pastor's record book and I was trying to do what my daddy always did. I became, well, I just quit. So, I'm trying to think. And over those years, people who've come into the church, baptism, transfer of letter, statement of faith. Maybe something like 2,000 through the years, about 2,000. <laughs> and it was like 
so many of them, not, their lives just never changed. They just, they did the thing they were supposed to do. So many of them, that was it. You never saw them again. They never, I, I can't judge them. I don't know. But I know what it seems to be like when people forsake the Lord. What it must be like. Does this offend you? What if you should see the Son of Man ascending? Here's what he's saying. Those who are walking off, not even that would affect you unless the Father draws you to himself. Not even to behold, you know, the Psalm, what, 64? There seems to be a picture of the ascension and the path up into heaven is walled about on either side with glorious charioted angels. Now, if you can imagine the Christ of God who laid aside his glory and then he is lifted up. He is exalted. The brilliance of who he is and the glory that shines from him begins to be realized. No wonder those in white apparel came and said to them, why do you stand here gazing? Emblepo. It's like a deer in headlights or something. Just dumbfounded. You don't have a word to say. What can I say? Matthew tells us that Christ first and first fruits. There's no way. Here's what Jesus is saying. You could show up at the ascension and you have no idea of the miraculous power and glory that will be on display that day. You could show up then, but unless the Father draws you and unless he enables you to receive the word, it won't mean a thing to you. The ascension is a wonderful thing, but the ascension of Christ doesn't save us. For those of us who are saved, his work of ascension leads him into that place where he pleads for us and keeps us saved. We can't even do that. We need Christ. This is what Christ is preaching to them. Are you offended for God the Son to come out of heaven and to tell you something from heaven and here is the news from heaven. You cannot save yourself. You cannot keep yourself saved. You need me. That's what Jesus is saying. And nobody else can do it but me. You feed on me. You drink my blood. You come to the cross. Don't deny the cross and what Christ did on the cross. Don't even be offended at the cross. Even when you see Son of Man hanging on the cross, helpless before the Romans and the religious leaders, seemingly helpless, doing it for you. If you've come to me, doing it for you. Well, does this offend? Not even the ascension can help you. Because it's a spiritual thing and not a physical thing. It is the spirit giving life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit. And they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe.
the words. The word can only break a heart of stone, can only melt a frozen spirit. If God causes it to happen, the works didn't do anything, just the words. Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. It is the spirit that gives life. You can eat the stuff that I create for you and never profit. It won't give you eternal life. The words that I speak, these are the spirit, these are life. It's a play back on John 3. You must be born from above anew. It's a spiritual, it's a heavenly thing, it's a divine thing. But there's some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who do not believe and who will betray him. He already knew. And he said, because of this, I have said to you that no one is able to come to me unless it be granted to him from the Father. I did not have the ability. Nothing within me would so move me. I could only come to Christ if it was granted to me by the Father. This is what enriches worship. This is what keeps us humble at the cross and keeps us glorifying Christ. No wonder the crowns are cast back to him. Wouldn't have one if he hadn't enabled us. If he hadn't worked in us and through us, the New Testament mentions these different kinds of crowns. But those works were built into my salvation and they're not my works, they're his works. That's why in heaven, into the ages of the ages, we will find new and more glorious ways to glorify him. And it won't be dull. In a new heaven and a new earth, the creativity, the spirit of God, the purity of glorified life, who could not enjoy such an existence? It's because of this that I've said to you, you are not able to come to me unless the Father draws you to me. That tears everything away from who I am and who you are. Everything. Tears it all down. Nothing. There's nothing within me. It can only be Christ and that's all. From that time, many of his disciples parted to the back. And no longer walked with him. Slowly pulling back and pulling back. Man, I saw the miracles. I ate some of that bread and fish. 
Oh, man. I heard about what he did at the storm. The person he would raise from the dead. And that one, the Christ, turns and says, okay, it doesn't mean a thing unless you come to me and me only for your salvation. The law will not save you. The works of the law will not save you. The prophets won't save you. Everything in that Old Testament is about me, Jesus would teach them. So then, these were his words. So many of them. The great task of the church is to pursue the work of the Great Commission and then to disciple others. That's part of the Great Commission. They says, disciple others. As you are going, disciple others. They become learners. You never stop learning. Never. The word of God is living, it's alive. And it, it brings you up to a point of wisdom and then you go back later and read the same passages and it takes you to a new height of wisdom. Things that you didn't see in it before. That's the words, the word that enriches us. That's what we feed on. Jesus is saying, you're going to have to take my words and have faith in my words. You can't feed on my works. That won't help you. That's flesh. That's not spirit. I'm the only one and I'm going to have to give flesh and blood for you. I'm going to have to die for you. They didn't like that. So they begin to draw back further and further. Therefore, Jesus said to the 12, are you not also wishing to go away? Peter answered him, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have known that you are the Holy One of God. There is no other. There is no other. No other salvation but in Christ who died for us. He died to save us. He lives to keep us. He's coming again for us. Jesus answered them, Peter, before you go too far, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Did I not choose you, the 12? And Jesus says, I'll go you one better. One of you is a devil. Mm. Now he was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. For he was about to betray him, being one of the twelve. Peter. Yes. Let me tell you why you remain and the others have left. Peter, 
Get this one truth. You did not choose me. I chose you. This is a great strength to me. It makes it very easy for for me to walk humbly with God and to focus my worship on him and never think that I could do anything that's any good because it is Christ in me who does any good at all if any good is ever done. Never me, only Christ, only Christ. Thus to glorify him forever and ever and ever. So some infinitely glorious day when we are in heaven and we bump into each other None of us in heaven will ever say, let me tell you what I did for the Lord. You'll never hear that. Here's what you'll hear. Give me about a million years and let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Perhaps you're here today without Christ. If you have come to realize that, perhaps the word has led you to the cross and your need of the Savior. Here's how we handle the invitation. You have three needs. First, to be saved. Only God can do that and only God can make that known to you. I can plead with you and I do plead with you to be saved. But only God can draw you to himself. Secondly, you should be obedient to Christ. And after having been saved, follow the Lord in baptism. It is a wonderful testimony. Finally, You should be linked to other believers. Join the church. Be a part of the congregation. We have deacons and wives ready to discuss that with you as you leave. They're in the rooms right as you exit. You'll see. They'll be standing there. Pray with you. Talk with you about anything that we've mentioned here in this invitation. So we pray that God, of course, would make his will known. He always does in this time.